when we opened those bags of fresh flour, it was like, holy smokes, we've never experienced something like this before. We had always just had white flour that was just all about function and, and performance and, and not so much about aroma and flavor. And so we said, well, we, we got to do this. This is like nothing we've had ever experienced before. Yeah, so, so that was the impetus. This is the Sourdough Podcast, the show about the innovators, leaders, and creative trailblazers in our sourdough community and the stories behind the bread. On this episode of the Sourdough Podcast, Andrew Hine of Elmore Mountain Bread and New American Stone Mills joins me to talk about his unexpected journey into artisan bread baking. We discuss how his passion for fresh milled wheat led him to build his own stone mill and eventually mills for customers around the world. And we talk about how his pursuit of better bread has helped support the growth and development of his own burgeoning Vermont grain economy and has inspired others around the country. No supporter shoutouts this episode, but if you'd like a shoutout on the podcast, head over to the sourdoughpodcast.com and click on the support button in the top right-hand corner. With your donation in any amount, not only will you be helping make the next episode of your favorite podcast possible, you'll get a shoutout on the air for you and your bakery. So head over to our website now, and thanks for supporting the podcast. Also, be sure to stay tuned after the podcast for a special Christmas song from Weston Perry, and keep an eye out for his upcoming album, East to West, scheduled to release early 2022. And now, here's my interview with Andrew Hine. My guest tonight is Andrew Hine. For the past 17 years, Andrew and his wife, Blair, have owned and operated Elmore Mountain Bread, a wood-fired micro-bakery outside of Elmore, Vermont. They specialize in naturally leavened breads made with flour ground in stone mills designed and built by Andrew himself. After word got out, Andrew's mills quickly became sought after, and since 2015, their company, New American Stone Mills, has been building mills and shipping them around the country and world. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for speaking with me tonight. I know you're a, a busy man these days. Yeah, thanks for having me on. <laughs> so I understand you uh, you just returned from New York. You were uh, prepping or dressing a, uh, a millstone out there? Yeah, I was down in the Hudson Valley. There's a few of our mills down in that area and was able to uh, do two mill redressings back to back while I was down there. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Um yeah, I mean, I can't imagine you. So you have a bakery, you are running around the country, world, maybe even uh, prepping these stones, getting people's uh, mills set up. What is a, before we kind of get into maybe your background and stuff, what's a typical week for a, a millwright slash baker look like? Um, well, I'm still involved in our bakery a little bit. Um, the bakery is actually just right next to our house, so it's a little bit hard to escape it. And our, our flour mill is here as well. Um, and so I'm often doing odds and ends, finishing milling flour, um, bringing in firewood, shaping, managing the oven a bit. Um, and then the rest of my time is spent down at the shop, um, uh, which is just about 15 minutes away from the house now. Mm -hmm. and, um, that's go ahead um, and that's a that's a mixture of 
talking to customers, ordering stones, working with my team, um, you know, answering questions, troubleshooting, and the whole <laughs> whole slew of things. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. uh, Blair? Is she more involved with the bakery day to day stuff? I'm assuming if you're doing the mill, or, uh, yeah, the Blair does. Yep, Blair and uh, Blair does the majority of the bakery work, and she has an assistant baker who helps as well. That's awesome. Um, how is it running two businesses? I mean, I, I obviously they, from the outside it seems like they would integrate well. Is that how it works in in the real world? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we both started out um, doing the bakery together, and so as the mill business picked up and I got busier with that, it was it was a slow transition, but uh, eventually um, we're, we are integrated together pretty pretty thoroughly. That's awesome. Um, well, yeah, let's let's maybe you can jump into your your background um, before we get talking about your bakery and the mill. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know how you got to be doing what you are doing uh, on this path that you're on in your current roles. Sure, of course, yeah. So I, I grew up in the Midwest. I lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, graduated from high school um, outside Chicago. Um, I moved out west to go to, to school. I lived in Eugene, Oregon, trying to figure out what I wanted to do for um, for, for college, but eventually uh, found that I always enjoyed cooking and fell into culinary school. And uh, went to culinary school in Eugene, Oregon for uh, and worked there for a few years, and then eventually moved up to Seattle and worked there for about four years um, in, a, in a restaurant hotel uh, up there. And um, when I was working in that hotel, um, my wife Blair started to work there as well. And that's where we met and started to work together. And that was kind of the beginning of our working relationship uh, from, the, from the start. And um, after, after a couple of years together, we uh, had a chance to come back to Vermont, um, here where she's from. And, and, um, and so we moved back and uh, started working in restaurants for a bit. Is, I, I, in my mind, the Pacific Northwest and the East, uh, North, Northeast have similar vibes. Is that somewhat mm-hmm. true or not at all? <laughs> yep, yep. I would say Seattle and the Northwest uh, it has a very similar feel. It's just um, uh, Vermont's a much smaller scale of everything that you see on the West Coast, mm, yeah. uh, the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> well, I just see pictures from your, your Instagram account, and it just makes me like want to move out into the woods and start, you know, baking <laughs> bread and tinkering around in a shop and yeah, living that nice. Vermont life. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, so so to, prior to 2004, um, and you guys took over the bakery, um, what, yeah, so tell us a little bit about that um, part of your... Sure experience yeah sure so uh, both Blair and I were working in restaurants in the area um, and Blair was working in a small local cafe and she was buying uh, bread from this guy and we both had been um, chefs for several years but had never really considered being bakers Um, and one day this baker came in and said hey um, do you know anybody who'd be interested in buying a bakery and a house and 10 acres of land and um, (laughs) she thought well uh, I don't know let me let me ask Andrew and I was getting a little bit burned out on restaurant life and uh, she said hey you ever thought of being a baker would you be interested in checking it out I said sure yeah let's go see 
so we came up and I was, it was nothing I'd ever seen before. There was a um, homemade uh, do-it-yourself do uh, Alan Scott oven that this guy was baking out of. Mm. And he, he was only doing a couple hundred loaves of bread a couple of days a week. And so it was um, a, a small bakery, but not a, not a real um, a serious endeavor. So um, I was curious and said, all right, I'll give it a try. And um, so uh, the owner said, okay, well, we have three weeks to learn how to bake and fire the oven <laughs> wow. and shape and uh, do QuickBooks and do, do all of that stuff. Um, yeah. So we just kind of dove right in. That's crazy. I, that's, you know, uh, having had a couple restaurant jobs, I could just see how, you know, it sounds like, yeah, the, the restaurant life wasn't, uh, wasn't working for you. And so that, did that make that up? had to make doing your own thing appealing, but being a, you know, bread, I mean, what was your experience with bread before that? I can't imagine it was an easy <laughs> call just to be like, no, <laughs> I'm going to jump into this totally, you know, uh, yeah, tangent, other gentle <clears throat> a career. Sure. Um, yeah. So I guess when I was interested in food or was working with food, I always approached it from, you know, I watched a lot of, uh, what's his name? Alton, Alton Brown, where yeah, he was yeah. into the methodology and the science and all, all that sort of thing. And so I was always curious about, you know, how to, how to cook better in a way that was approaching it from the scientific method. And, um, when I started baking, I was like baking bread. I was like, Oh, <laughs> this is like exactly what I'm looking for. It's, you know, careful measurement and monitoring temperatures and playing with variables. And so I was like, okay, this, I, I can see how I'm a baker more than I was ever a cook or a chef. <laughs> wow. How long did it take? So you had three weeks to learn to bake to the point where mm -hmm. you run a bakery. That seems insane to me, but, uh, how, I mean, how did you, was that your only experience learning? Like, how did you, you know, I did you a, ready? yeah, I did, um, I did, you know, some, some classes in culinary school and, okay. and did, had a little bit of baking background, but, um, nothing like, you know, artisan bread, um, you know, hand, hand, uh, shaped kind of, kind of breads. So there was, um, a, a neighbor who helped, um, who still lived up here. And um, so he he would come around and uh, give us pointers or give us tips uh, as as we needed, um, but but really what what we ended up doing was um, reaching out to other wood fired bakers that we could find. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, some of it via the Bread Bakers Guild. Mm -hmm. uh, back time back then, it was the there was a Yahoo group uh, for wood fired ovens um, that we we're on and got to know um, a number of wood-fired bakers that way. And so we would say, Hey, you know, can we, can we come visit your bakery? Mm -hmm. What, what are you baking? How do you fire your oven? What would you fix? How do you, what would you improve on? And so kind of started to um, make a lot of relationships and sort of build a community of, of fellow, fellow wood-fired bread bakers that we could um, help each other out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This Community, the baking community, as I've talked about before, is very, uh, very helpful like that. They're always willing and able to share info. And but uh, as if as if three week crash course of baking wasn't hard enough, you decided, you know, you had a wood fired oven to work with, which I've heard are very sure. pickle and I mean, just a, impossible to 
to master. It, yeah, it's a it's a whole other level of the craft for yeah. sure because you're you're throwing one more variable on top of numerous variables into uh, into baking bread. Um, um, and so what what eventually happened though with that oven is it was kind of small, and as we learned to bake better and better, um, we tried to bake more and more and more bread mm. and eventually we're getting to the point where we were maxing that oven out and um we're kind of firing it super hot and baking really really long and um knew that if we were going to keep doing this um we would have to figure out how to improve on it it's also very baking's already physical work but mm -hmm. um, hand loading you know 400 loaves of bread one by one into a uh, into a wood-fired oven for several hours is also <laughs> um, pretty pretty hard on the body. So yeah. um, with all those conversations with the wood-fired bakers, I was always looking for, you know, how could I improve on this oven? How could I, how, what, what would I do to make it make it more efficient? And um, one, one day we were baking and um, started to see some structural issues with the oven. And we heard this sort of thump, this big cloud of, ash came out from underneath the oven and we looked down under there and a giant chunk of the sub hearth had just broken out. Oh like no. Three foot chunk of, of it broke out. We thought, Oh boy, this might be uh, the oven might be on its last legs. So I was um, <clears throat> figured, okay, if we're going to keep baking, we better, we better figure out a new oven. And so um Blair happened to be at a party and was sitting next to this guy and, and said, Oh yeah, we have this wood fired bakery. And he said, Oh, um, I actually have built some, you know, wood fired masonry heaters. And I, I have this friend, uh, William Davenport. Um, and he, uh, he's built a couple ovens and you should talk to him. Um, and th that friend actually was, uh, Antoine Gerlain who has uh, sparrow bush bread, uh, down in, in Hudson, New York. Um, and I was actually just visiting and stayed over at his house when I was down there uh, dressing milk. <laughs> so he's still, still, still an old That's friend. Awesome. Um, mm -hmm. But so anyways, um, so we talked with William and um, he, his company was called Turtle Rock Masonry Heat. And <clears throat> we uh, had, had a bunch of ideas and we said, okay, we want a bigger oven. We want to change the way the hearth is built, the way the arch is supported. We want it to be three doors wide so we could use a mechanical loader. And so came up with this design and, and built it uh, wow. along while we were ba baking the other oven and um, kind of eventually transitioned to it and, and figured it out and, um, and began to bake. And it started working great. You know, there was a learning curve there as well, but yeah, um, but transitioned to that. And then since then, um, a number of those bakers, those other wood-fired bakers said, hey, you know, is there is there a chance we could have one of those ovens too? So, <laughs> William, awesome. yeah. So William went on to build um, maybe about twenty more ovens. Wow. Um, yeah, along with um, Antoine, who was who was one of his his oven builders, and another friend, Jeremiah Church, um, who is still building ovens uh, out in Oregon. What, what's the name of his? Uh William Davenport's company is it just his, his company? Um, so his company was called Turtle Rock Masonry Heat, okay. but uh, he's not doing it anymore. He 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 had a career shift um, a little while ago. Um, but uh, uh, Jeremiah, um, his company's Boreal Heat, 
Okay. And um, he's out in Oregon and still building ovens. All right, cool. That was well. That was one of my listener questions from uh, at Northern Breadhouse. He wanted to know who built your wood fired oven, and mm-hmm. how much wood how much wood does it take to build or for a day's bake? Yeah. <laughs> um. So we've got our wood sort of stacked out next to me here. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Those are two foot lengths of wood that are split usually between three and four inches in diameter, and we'll burn. 90 to 100 pieces. Okay. To get you through the day. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, did you end up uh, fixing the old oven or did you re- totally replace it? Nope. We, um, we ended up demolishing it, making okay. more room in the bakery. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I could see it behind yep. you. It's a beautiful uh, brick masonry. It's, yeah, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I one having, you know, thinking of who I wanted to talk to next, you know, I was just like, I've been watching you for a while and just seeing, you know, your businesses, you know, uh, evolve and grow. And, and I just said, ah, I'd love to talk to Andrew because I, I just think what you're doing is so inspiring. And I think a lot of, you know, artisan bakers like myself find what you do is extremely inspiring and beautiful. But I think most consumers, you know, as far as like your bread, st- you know, style, uh, mm-hmm. find it, Oh, and the mill would find it strangely old fashioned <laughs> and, and in most conventional bakers, uh, bakeries would find it, you know, in corporate language cost inefficient. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, that being, you make all your bread with flour milled in-house with a wood fire mm-hmm. oven. Um, why did you, why did you decide you wanted to make bread the way you make it? Um, why is, what was, what were kind of your motivational thoughts on, on, on why you landed on your type, the type of bread that you make? Sure. Um, well, uh, I guess we, you know, as I said before, we sort of stumbled into it. Um, it was in the, in the beginning, it wasn't intentional to bake this kind of bread. And in many ways, it's all I've ever known about, uh, baking bread (laughs) to do it in this very, uh, uh, overly complex, but simple way. Um, and like, um, we have this mixer, that's an old diving arm mixer that we inherited with the bakery. And I've, I've, I've no experience with spiral mixers, even, <laughs> even te- teaching a couple of classes. I, I have to ask for help just to, just to understand how to, how to use it properly. Yeah. But, um, but you know, as I've gotten to know the bread baking world more and, uh, you know, how other people bake bread, I've just found that, um, doing it in this way is just uh, uh honoring the craft of baking you know mm-hmm. trying to, to just get down to the the most simple simple parts of it um the just uh and also to see the whole process through from seed to loaf i guess mm-hmm. it's just uh well and then you know obviously i've heard i've seen you mention you know uh, and this kind of comes down to some of the projects you've been doing with like um, the approachable loaf and obviously segueing into like your your mill business, you know, talking mm-hmm. about like the flavor and the nutrition and like y- y- you mentioned tradition. I was one of the big ones. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about like uh, the flavor and nutrition of, of, of a bread, the type of bread you make and, and how it's different from maybe a conventional loaf you might find? in the grocery store sure. yeah i guess that could kind of go back to when we transitioned to stone ground flour so 
we when we started out with the bakery, we were just buying um, organic white flour from Quebec and using some stone ground whole wheat. And we had, I think we had about eight or nine different varieties that we would make in a bake. Um, <clears throat> and and at that point, we had been baking for about ten years. Oh, and wow. so, <clears throat> yeah. And so we didn't. Um, uh, so what I so the, I guess like to say what well, what got me interested in milling was I was looking for a new challenge. So we'd gotten the bakery going, the oven was working well, um, and I I got sort of bored. It was like <laughs> to, to try to take a new challenge on, and um, one of those uh, uh, friends that I had was Dave Bauer, um, who had Farm and Sparrow Bakery down in in North Carolina, and he actually ended up having the second. Um, uh, wood fire t- turtle rock oven. And so we, we became friends sort of sharing ideas about how to use the oven and that mm. sort of thing. And I said, Hey, Hey Dave, um, I I'm interested in buying the stone mill. Um, I know you've been doing that for a while and working with local grain. Um, and, um, which, which size should I buy? And he said, well, you know, I've, I've really been looking for somebody who was interested in building a stone mill. That was a horizontal stone mill that used, natural granite stones and, um, you know, and it was well suited for, for bakers in, in the U S. So, um, having had that sort of oven experience, I, um, started to research it and talk to a couple of other bakers who are interested in building mills and, um, ordered some stones from, uh, from actually Meadows mills down in North Carolina and then figured out how to, uh, how all the mechanics worked. Um, but, the thing that uh, uh, I guess the, the way that Dave uh, really got me to want to build my own mill was he said, Oh, you know, you haven't really worked with fresh milled flour. Um, huh. Let me, let me send you some stuff. So he, uh, he milled up a bunch of heirloom grains. He milled uh, some you know, Turkey, Turkey red and some different mm. um, rye and Abruzzi rye and some bloody butcher corn. And he, Send it up here next day, and um, when we opened those uh, bags of fresh flour, it was like, holy smokes, we've never <laughs> experienced yeah. something like this before, you know? <laughs> we had always just had white flour that was just all about function and, mm-hmm. and performance and, and not so much about ar- aroma and flavor. And so we said, well, we, we got to do this. This is like nothing wow. we've had ever experienced before. <laughs> yeah, wow, so, so that was the impetus. I wanted to take a quick break from our interview to thank the main sponsor of the podcast, WireMonkey, creator of the original UFO Breadlong. WireMonkey makes the highest quality bread scoring tools and accessories that you've undoubtedly seen in the hands of bakers throughout our sourdough community. Whether you are into intricate scoring and stenciling, the likes of At The Gem The Color or At Oak City Sourdough, or you're just looking for a dependable, easy to use, ergonomic bread lum, Wire Monkey has what you are looking for. I use mine every time I bake. Wire Monkey has several lum styles. They even have a sourdough podcast version in Walnut that helps support the podcast with every purchase. So go to thewiremonkey.com to buy yours online or find a reseller in your country. Now, back to the show. Your story kind of reminds me of where a lot of us like cottage bakers are, you know, we because of, you know, the size of our businesses and 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 just uh, you know, the financial means that maybe not, we're all limited to, that's kind of what we all do is we have, you know, we use, you know, the best kind of uh, white flour, organic flour we can find 
and then we'll add in, you know, a certain percentage of wheat flour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of us have, have been able to find ways to mill it or buy a stone milled flour. I, I, mm-hmm. I know a lot of us have little stone mills, uh, in our homes and are able to do that, but yeah, I, it, I can imagine, you know, the first had, had you, you've been doing that for a decade. And then for the first time when, you know, opened up a bag of, of fresh milled, uh, stone mm-hmm. milled flour, that must've just really like, you know, sparked, yeah. uh, a light, oh, yeah. a light bulb must have gone off <laughs> right and so we really were like yeah now that we know that this exists we uh, there, there's not going to be any turning back and like everything we do we just sort of dive head on full <laughs> into it and so we said okay if we're going to do this we're gonna uh we're, we want to try to mill everything uh, and so that's what went about trying to design and build the mill and then um we got it working um started to buy uh grain which also <laughs> proved to be a bit difficult um the yeah. quebec supplier um said no no we only sell flour we don't sell grain and then a couple others said no we don't have any grain so <laughs> we, had, we had to scramble a bit in the beginning but eventually had had, had some from kansas and some from new york um, mm. that we started to work with and um milled some flour and you know started out putting 20 percent in and then 30 percent, and then one day i just said, heck, let's just do one bread and we'll do 100%. And I think Blair, I was mixing and Blair said, geez, the, the dough feels really different. What, what did you do? <laughs> and I kind of smiled and I said, well, we'll see what happens. And so we just dove right in and that bread uh, turned out great wow. and um, and kind of uh, went 100% fresh milk with everything. Wow. And um, yeah, and so part of that, what what we didn't want to do was change all of our breads to, um, you know, since we were doing sifted uh, breads, we didn't want to change to 100% whole grain, you know, uh, breads and really just have our customers say, you know, where's my country French that I love for the last yeah. 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it changed and a couple of customers just kept saying like, There's, the, the bread's different. And it's better, but it's just like, <laughs> it, it tastes more, it like tastes mm. more like, like wheat. And we're like, mm. yeah, that's exactly what we were awesome. looking for. Yeah. And so, um, we, uh, uh, the customers came around to it pretty quickly when they just like the, the, the proof was in the bread. That's, you know, and that's the story I've heard so many times with you, with other cottage bakers and, you know, who, you know, they either start that way with the whole grain, uh, flours, or stone milled flowers, or they have to like transition, you know, and, and educate their customers a little bit. But usually, like you said, you know, it's something that most, you know, people who are seeking out that type of bread in the first place, are they're usually the type that are going to appreciate that flavor, recognize mm-hmm. the the added value and, you know, nutrition and, and, t- and taste mm-hmm. that comes with that. So at this point, you're, you're milling uh, your own flour. How many, uh, is this with your, your new mill? Yep. Mm-hmm. How, yeah, how, many, so that's, how many prototypes did it take you to get to <laughs> what, the finished uh, current current model? I guess. No, that was that was the first one, and that was the wow. one we were we still been using, yeah, up until uh, just uh, two weeks ago, actually. That's amazing. I, I and again, well, and it, it, I think I, in in you and Blair, I see kind of again this like a common uh, denominator with all of us other you know artisan bakers and craft bakers is like this 
uh, ability or, or desire to like experiment and learn and tinker and you know, uh, tweaks the formula here or there and just continually <laughs> wanting to, to educate ourselves and, and, and learn how to make better bread. And, and it takes yeah. you in different directions and it, 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 you know, you're meeting, you're going to meet people and, and ask questions and, and mm -hmm. uh, it seems like you're, you're, uh, well, you're definitely, well, I don't know if that's type A, B or C or type person, but you, that's, that's definitely who you are. It sounds right. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. For um, sure. Let me see here. Did you, let me think here. What's the question? Oh yeah. So you said, you know, the, the sec, you know, I was going to say who, who was the first person to knock on your door and say, Hey, uh, let me get one of those, uh, mills. That was your friend, David, uh, Farman Sparrow. Yep. He was, he got some of the first ones and, um, the first, uh, I guess one of the first ones that I built here for somebody else was for, for Grayson Gill, who was, um, Belgard bakery down in mm -hmm. New Orleans. Okay. And, um, that was one of the first big ones. And then another good friend, uh, Byron Fry is out in, uh, Victoria as Fry's Fry's meat bakery. Um, he was the second one. And then, Jim Williams from Seven Stars was interested. I think he was after that, and uh, and then just one after another. Wow. <laughs> and and, and I, I, I mean, obviously, at that point, after your second or third one, you've got to be thinking, okay, maybe this is a business, or were you always like, maybe I can turn this into a side gig, or yeah, absolutely, evolve. Um, so you know, I, I had put so much time and thought into it and had so many people curious about it, you know, coming to visit and saying, you know, would you be interested in doing the building one of these for me that, you know, the first seven or eight, maybe were just under the same Elmore Mountain bread, just kind of doing it on the side. And then eventually decided, well, I think this is a legit business and I need to, um, <laughs> to, to go for it. Um, and uh, it was also, I was doing all of this out of my, so our, our our mill is one half of a two-car garage and the other half of the garage was my mill building workshop <laughs> and so it was very tight uh space and uh challenging and so decided okay i'm better build a bigger space and uh get some help and and uh <laughs> figure out what i'm going to do here um and at the time i was still um the the bakery had always just been um <clears throat> my wife Blair she was the, the baker and I was the mixer and then we both would shape and deliver and so I was trying to find time to fit in um to fit in mill building and answering questions and <laughs> and all that kind of stuff so I was I was spread pr pretty thin we did eventually um as I guess it was a little before that though um uh, we had a son uh, about 10 years ago and um, in order to keep doing the bread like we had been doing, we needed to get some help from. Uh, and so we got our first employee um, intern, and that was a, a good friend, Josh Bellamy. And um, Josh Bellamy ended up working for us for about um, two years and uh, eventually moved back home to Raleigh, North Carolina and opened uh, Bolted Bread. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah. there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very cool. Uh, yep. so it's, it just seems like you know it was an idea you had that sparked a lot of uh inspiration a lot of other people who were had the same aspirations for their bakeries for their bread and it kind of mm -hmm. took off from there have you had any kind of recent um 
highlights of, of, you know, it's been what, uh, 2015. So about six years now, have you had any like kind of recent, uh, points where yeah. uh, highlights is yeah, uh, so, real business? Yeah. So as far as the evolutionary evolution of the bakery is gone with the mills, um, uh, as I said, we were challenged with sourcing grain in the beginning, and it happened to be a really bad year that year. Organic grain was really expensive, and there were only two organic um, grain farmers in Vermont that I knew of, and they did, they also had a bad year, so they didn't have anything <clears throat> um, to, to offer us. So uh, after learning the mill and working with the grain, we um, heard about a young couple who at a dairy farm and they had friends said, Oh yeah, they planted, uh, I think 20 acres of redeemer wheat and, um, they don't know what they're going to do with it. You should talk to them. So <laughs> we called them up and, um, said, Hey, you know, we have a bakery and a mill, but we don't have any, uh, local grain. He said, oh, that's great. Cause I'm growing this local grain and I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> so, um, so that was the Rogers farmstead. That's and cool. We went and checked it out in the field, and after it was harvested, we um, uh, they brought they had it cleaned and tested, and, and brought it up to the bakery, and um, <clears throat> we uh, started to uh, started to bake with it. And when we started first using that local grain, we wanted to to feature it, not just blend it in with the other um, yeah. organic grain. We were, and so we created the the Vermont Redeemer loaf. Um, the variety was called Redeemer. Um, and it was this idea of uh, redeeming this tradition of locally grown and, and milled and, and baked and, and, and selling that bread directly to your community. Um, <clears throat> and so that was the first local farmer that we started to work with. And they, they had several good harvests. And then another farmer in Vermont said, hey, we'd be interested in, um, uh, we, we grew some grain too, would you be interested in it? And then another one. And now oh, wow. <clears throat> last, last year, year actually was the first year we were able to go um, 100% um, sourcing of our grain from Vermont. You know, wow. within, uh, that's yeah, incredible. Yeah. Probably. yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and you know, we're a small bakery, but we still bought, I think we, we buy around 50 tons of grain um, wow. directly here from that's Vermont amazing. And, mm-hmm. and mill it and, and mill that for ourselves. And there's also a couple other farmers that we actually mill it for them to sell. And then for, um, some friends who have a wood fired pizza catering business and just other people who are interested in having fresh flour. Wow. You're just kind of, you kind of bringing it all together full circle here. Um, mm-hmm. I had a li- listener question asking uh, Kathleen Kepley wanted to know if uh, down the line, you might have plans to make a smaller uh, home mill uh, <laughs> with your, with your natural grain. And I know a lot of us are uh, cottage bakers have, you know, the, the smaller tabletop ones that have the, you know, uh, manufactured stone ones. Mm-hmm. Is that something yep. uh, plausible for you guys? Yeah, it's, it's something on the list. It's been something oh, cool. that uh, I get asked a lot. And um, <clears throat> uh, my it, it's a good and bad problem because I think if I started to make them, I'd have to make so many of them, I couldn't even keep up. So <laughs> I think you're right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so uh-huh. it's just going to take some several. Careful Very thought cool. on how to develop it. Yeah. 
Well, I think uh, our our community would be uh, ready for it and, and ready to to jump on them if you ever did that. So, mm-hmm. well, that, you have your hands in so many different things, uh, Andrew, and I think it's inspiring. Obviously, type of person uh, you you just you describe yourself. You got bored. You get bored easily. So it, it doesn't sound like you're bored these days. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, <laughs> you get another project. You got well. Let's see. You're you're doing something with pizza these days. That's you know another passion of, of most of us in our little community is uh, a good good pizza. What uh, yep. what are you up to in with the the what's the name uh, Fire Tower Pizza? Yeah, Fire Tower Pizza. <clears throat> so um, Elmore's a town of 800 people, and the only business in town aside from us is uh, is our little general store which is on uh, Lake Elmore, right by the state park. And um, some friends had an idea that it would be nice to add um, pizza a few nights a week um, for the store, just to have another reason for people to stop in and bring people together and cool. have good food. And pizza is such a good uh, food uh, to use local ingredients and, and, um, and, you know, be creative with it. Um, and so uh, some other friends started it and we were just making dough for them because they didn't know anything about dough. <laughs> and after a couple of years, they said, hey, you know, we, we kind of want to do something else. Would you be interested in buying this pizza business? And of course, we had uh, the mills and the and the bread. And um, so we, we found a, a good friend who was a chef and said, hey, you know, we could use a partner to make pizza. We'll, uh, we'll keep making dough and help you with, um, you know, the other, other side of it if you would do all the pizza making. So her friend Jimmy's been doing that now for, for a few years. And um, one of the things when we uh, took it on is we said, you know, we want to make this dough all, all fresh milled. Wow. And so, yeah. And so, um, for that, we use uh, sifted flour that's um, about 85% sifted. And, okay. Um, just to make that one a little bit more simple for 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 uh, Jimmy to manage. It's, um, wow. So that was one of the questions I had from one of, actually one of the my buddies here in, in my hometown, uh, Sanctuary Pizza. He was wondering what kind of flour blend <coughs> you use for that collaboration. And you're saying it's a, yeah. it's, so it's a 100% stone milled, 85% sifted. Yep. How, how does that? What kind of what kind of pizza dough do you, does that produce? Um, so it'll be uh, it, it'll be a little bit darker um, because it has some of the bran and, and the germ in there still. I mean, it sounds um, delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's um, when we when we switched. It was funny because the customers often would say, you know, oh, pizza is so good. I used to eat half a pizza and now I can eat just two slices and I feel full and it's, it's great. Yeah. But then they would say, Oh, you know, but it's a little dark, don't you think? And we'd say, Oh my gosh, you know, you just said how awesome it is. Why, why are you worrying about the color of the dough? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. um, so that took a little bit of people getting used to, but then, you know, same thing that kind of came around. We're like, Oh my gosh, it's just so much more mm-hmm. flavor here mm-hmm. with the fresh flour. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and then another project you had, you got your hands involved, reached all the way out to here to California. Um, you know, we got a, a grain to school movement kind of slowly growing throughout the country here. And one of those is uh, that's taken off recently is in my home state, California. 
uh, it was your, your one of your mills was actually used um, in a grant from the California Department of Food and Agriculture. And it made it possible for uh, a school out here to get a mill to make their own uh, whole wheat product to, uh, to serve in school lunches. Were you, how, how involved were you with that? I, I, I know Claudia Carter and, and one of the farmers involved with that project. And, sure. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so Claudia had reached out to me um, a year or so ago and said, Hey, you know, we have this idea that um, it, it would be really cool to put a mill in a school. Is it, do you think that's reasonable? Could, could you do that? And I said, yeah, for sure. I actually had built a couple of mills for um, uh, community college and another one for University of oh, very um, cool. North, North Dakota State. And I said, yeah, that's, you know, it's great. The more people are exposed to this and know that, you know, fresh, fresh uh, whole wheat flour is, is so much better, um, you know, the, the better off we'll all be. And so, um, they, yeah, they got that grant and, and we built the mill for them and shipped it out. And then, um Chris and Nan Kohler from Griston Toll Bakery are a little bit closer than I am. And so they they took point and, and got, went out there and set it up and helped them awesome. learn how to run it and operate it and have been helping on that side. Oh, very cool. Yeah. John Eck is uh, one of the farmers who grew some of the wheat. He's in my hometown. And so uh-huh. I've been working with him and we've been selling, you know, my bread with his wheat and getting that out to our community. And it's been cool. so much fun. It's only the first year that we've been, uh, yep. he's been growing wheat, but, uh, it, you know, something you've obviously done in the past and, and this, I don't know. It's, it's been a lot of fun to like share it with our community and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and this, this mill now that, you know, all the way from Vermont out here to California is, as I understand, it's the first mill in a in a school uh Cal- in yeah a, in, the, in the country in a california school yeah yeah or, for sure even, yeah so it's uh exciting exciting times and um you know i, I just it's so cool to see how like one one uh couple you know in vermont is is kind of inspiring as the you know bakeries <laughs> and and schools and different people across the country and and so uh, yeah I think that's, for sure i think that's so cool um well, you know, kind of in closing, I know we're we're coming up to our, our time here, but uh wondering what's you know, what's the next step for, for you and Blair? You uh is there a wheat farming operation you guys are gonna uh, take on just <laughs> just to close the loop, have your own personal uh, grain economy <laughs> in no. <health? laughs> no, I don't I don't think we're gonna go that far, but um it's been great to work with all the other farmers who are yeah. getting interested in it here in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, being part of expanding the, the offerings in Vermont so that more farmers are, are growing grain and also just being able to reach more people uh, in the region. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Andrew, how, as we wrap it up here, how are some ways people can connect with you, um, get their hands on some of your bread or learn more about your mills? Of course. Yeah. Um, they can, uh, most of the information is on our website, newamericanstonemills.com, um, uh, as well as the bread bakery, elmoremountainbread.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram under both of those names, um, uh-huh. where we have a lot of pictures of, of what we're up to. Well, I, yeah. I definitely recommend following the guys on Instagram and just uh, get the daily dose of inspiration. Beautiful oh, bread, thanks. beautiful mills, and... Um, 
So, well, thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much for, for speaking with me tonight. I, I know your work is an inspiration you know, to myself and to so many bakers around the world. Uh, thanks for being uh, such a great model uh, of what a, like a thriving local grain economy can produce and, and, and for building mills that make them possible for other communities. So, Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for helping to spread the word about uh, what we're doing and, and what, what, how good bread can be. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, uh, Andrew, and uh, have a great night. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Sourdough Podcast is produced by Michael Hilburn and edited by Caleb Sexton. All music is by Weston Perry. Thanks again to our main sponsor of this episode, Tyler at the Wire Monkey Shop. You can find music and products by clicking on links in the show notes of this episode. And be sure to head over to thesourdoughpodcast.com where you can find exclusive recipes from our guests as well as cookbook and gear recommendations, previous episodes, and more. If you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell a couple bread friends. You can also support the podcast by purchasing a Sourdough Podcast t-shirt, coffee mug, or UFO LOM at thesourdoughpodcast.com backslash shop. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.
Ah.